Thank you, worship team. Good morning, everyone. <clears throat> Someone said, oh, you're wearing short sleeves this morning. I said, yes, by faith, I'm proclaiming. Spring is here. You know, we had enough of this uh, ice and snow stuff. Dr. Luke, would you come up? We have a short congregational meeting this morning, and the purpose of this meeting is to elect a couple of people to our nominating uh, committee. Wilbur, would you be so kind as to take notes for this service and the next, combine them and send them in to Vicki, if you would. Uh, Luke, come on up here, and uh, Father, thank you for this time, and uh, thank you for your goodness in our lives, and Lord, uh, I declare there is a quorum here by faith. <laughs> With uh, the addition of our second service, would you be blessed in all that we are and all that we do and all that we say today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Uh, my name is Luke Sampson, and I represent the nominating committee of our church, which exists to receive suggestions from our body for the position of elders and deacons. Those on the committee consist of two deacon representatives, two elders, and eight at-large members. Fran Butts, Fran here? She was. There she is. Fran Butts and Chester Starling, he's, he's here. Yeah. Bill, Stan, they are up for election today as new members. And I would ask that you now to approve them for that position. So is there a motion that they be approved? Second. All in favor say aye. Aye. And Chester and Fran, welcome. Um, I'd just like to another couple of things. I'd like the others to stand that are on this committee, and this includes, if they're here, uh, Lloyd Jackson is an at-large member, Duke Lineberry, Walter Pendergrass, Wendy Gramsci, Betty Saban, and Marilyn Wallace. They'll serve as at-large members, and uh, I'm asking to stand because uh, if they are here, there'll be people who will be contacted. The deacon representative. We're asking that you think and pray about people who might become elders and deacons next year. If you feel led to approach someone about this, ask if they would be willing and willing to serve if nominated and elected, and then give that person's name and info to one of these committee member members. And the names, phone numbers, and email addresses on a sheet of paper seems like a long time until next year, but we will need to uh, have four new elders and seven new deacons. A person should be a member of our church for at least two years prior to being nominated. I'd like to say this. In our modern world, the word deacon and elder seem so formal. So rather than these terms, I would like you to think of all of us simply as those who wish to serve the Lord by serving the body of Christ. Nothing more and nothing less. Jesus had his disciples watch each other's feet to reveal their mission of giving love. And when they wanted to be high in the authority, he said, in God's kingdom, he said, no. He said, in God's kingdom, the greater shall be the servant. And he asked them if they could drink his cup and receive his baptism. All of us who are elders and deacons wish to thank the Lord and you for the privilege of being a part of Myrtle Grove 
privilege of walking along this brief path of life with you by side. Finally, I'd like to say this. In thinking of the new men with, who would be called to this position, think about you as well. Your old men may dream dreams, but your young men shall see visions. We so much need to always keep our vision directed to the Lord. That is to do his will. He said, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom, but he does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So we want only to do what he, we, we hear him say and what we see him do as we carry out the work of our church. So I leave this in your hands as to the Lord, and we'll give you another report in two or three months. Thank you. Hand that to Jim. Thank you, Luke, and uh, thank you for giving us an opportunity to share just a couple of uh, minutes with you. If you would like to pick up one of those uh, handouts listing all of our elders, deacons, uh, nominating committee, etc., feel free uh, to do that. Uh, take your Bible, if you would, and open it uh, to John's Gospel, um, chapter 15. I want to begin there. I appreciate um, Luke setting this up for me, not by intention, uh, but because uh, serving is really one of the most important aspects of the kingdom of God, and that's really uh, what I'm going to be sharing uh, with you here this morning. Um, <clears throat> before I do, I just this morning I felt as I was worshiping, the Lord just wanted me to encourage a couple of people here this morning, and. Uh, um, Phil and Laura, it's you, got, you guys, if you would stand up, I'm going to give you a little, <laughs> a little encouragement this morning. And, you, and I'm doing this uh, for a number of reasons. One, I feel the Lord. But secondly, I want you to realize that you can hear God's voice. Every one of you, uh, regardless of what you might think, can hear God's whisperings, His uh, motivation to speak a word of encouragement uh, to those who are around you, your family members, your friends, the places where you shop even sometimes, take some boldness. Uh, but Phil and Laura, I just, I just sense that the Lord was saying that he has, you know, over the years of your life, he has strategically placed you in events uh, that have caused you to come to the place where you now are. Of course, that's true for everybody. I know that's very generic. Uh, but specifically, I feel like the Lord is saying that he's raising you guys up to attend uh, a whole bunch of people around you, you know, like a, a shepherd tends a flock. And in tending them, um, God's beginning to place you strategically to speak to their lives and to release them into a further understanding of their identity and destiny. That's what fathers and mothers do. They're, they're so pleased when their children come to another level. And uh, specifically uh, for you, Phil, but not to exclude you, Laura, at all, God's going to place on you guys a prophetic anointing. And it's going to be an anointing that really causes people to hear who they are at a deep level of their lives, and it will be transformational as they begin to hear. And that's going to come through the lips, your lips, the physical words of Phil and Laura will speak into the lives of people and cut through their misconceptions of who they think they are 
and help them to recognize the treasure of who they really are and how God sees them. Uh, some of you get around them, if you would, um, and let's just pray for them for a minute. You know, it's, when you speak a word, it's kind of like a seed. You know, you throw it in the ground. I'm a farmer. Not a farmer, but I'm a gardener. And, and I've already planted my little seed. So now we want to water them. Father, thank you for Phil and Laura. Thank you for each person here, for everyone who even extends their hands and their heart by faith. God, we just pray that we know that the, the words of men will always fall to the ground, null and void. But the word of God always goes forth and accomplishes that which you have destined it. God, as their hearts have been hungry to know you and to serve you, Lord, would you begin to cause them to hear your voice more clearly? And as they hear, God, help them to take those small steps of obedience out of love for who you are, uh, that they might begin to see a great increase of fruitfulness in their lives, specifically in the lives of those around them. Lord, thank you for them. Bless them and encourage them today. In Jesus' name, amen. Do y'all feel embarrassed when I do this? I, this is... <laughs> Sometimes it makes me feel embarrassed. I don't want to make anybody else feel embarrassed. Okay, John chapter 15. Uh, if you would, take your Bible. Let me uh, just read a scripture to you, if I may. Um, and we're talking about this notion of shift, God shifting something in the body of Christ. And I believe that uh, wholeheartedly, that God's changing something in how we have viewed ourselves, and it is shifting or changing to cause us to see ourselves uh, more as God sees us uh, than we see ourselves. In John chapter 15, uh, beginning actually at verse 15, it was curious this past Wednesday night in prayer. Uh, can you turn me down just a little bit, Mark? I found, sound like I'm really hot, loud. Uh, just a little bit. Thank you. Uh, this past Wednesday night, I actually read this text, not because I had necessarily intended to share it, uh, but And I read the whole text, and about 10 minutes later, someone else read the whole text. And I sort of stepped back, and I thought, well, that's curious. Maybe they were daydreaming, or they weren't really, you know, hearing what was just read. Not that you can't read a text twice, but I really felt like what the Lord said is that I really want you to get this one. Um, and in John chapter 15, in fact, I'm going to read the whole text, but I'm going to Focus on verse 15. Verse 11 begins, John 15:11 says, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Now this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. It's real important that we get that one. Um, love one another as I have loved you. Because greater love has no one than this than uh, to lay down one's life for his friend. Verse 14 says, you are my friends. If you do whatever I command you, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I have now made known to you. Uh, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the father in my name, he will give it to you. These things I command you that you love uh, one another. Well, it's, it's verse 15 that I want to focus on. No longer do I call you servants, uh, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father, 
I have made known to you. The purpose of Jesus is, is to be sure, multifaceted. He came. He revealed the kingdom of God. Uh, he went to a cross to redeem a people, specifically to forgive their sin, to take upon himself the, the death that each of us deserved, to set us free. Uh, but one of the reasons that he came is to reveal the heart of the Father to us. And uh, as we, the church around the globe begin to understand our identity as friends of God, we'll begin to develop a culture uh, because it's in us, and this culture will begin to be developed in our homes, in our churches, in our businesses, every place we walk, and uh, that culture brings out the best in people and brings them into their, uh, well, princely destiny. If we are a royal priesthood, if we are a chosen generation, uh, if we have been called by God, uh, and we have been, it is for the purpose of releasing other people into their destinies um, as well. Now, uh, this is done by seeing others not as they are, but seeing others as God created them to be. Now, each of us have a predisposition to see people as they are. And we say things like, she is so irritating. Don't we? I mean, he is so cruel. I mean, you know, we see sort of the externals of people, their idiosyncrasies, their, um, their foibles, those weaknesses, and, and God looks right through them. And he sees us. Uh, for who we really are. Last week I said God sees us through the lens, not of who we are, but how he sees us to be. And uh, God is releasing his sons and daughters, specifically his friends, into the ministry of seeing the best in other people, not as they are, but as God sees them. And this knowledge and love comes only from, from intimacy with God. So what we're talking about this morning is, is relationship and friendship with God. God has made us friends and not merely uh, servants. Now, our greatest mission in life then is in calling out the hidden greatness in people um, by speaking the treasures to the treasures that lie within them. In other words, the greatest thing anyone can ever do is to help another individual understand that God wants them to come out of their deadness into, their, into life in Jesus. The greatest ministry that there is for any of us is to speak so that uh, God can call people out of darkness into the light of his marvelous gospel and be set free. There's nothing any richer, any more uh, amazing than the capacity of a people because of friendship with the Father to hear what he says and to speak it to another person so that that word then gives them life and they then come into the light and into relationship with God. The greatness of God actually is magnified um, as each of his sons and his daughters receive the revelation of their nobility and their authority. There's no greater thing that brings honor to our Father than when we see ourselves for how he sees us. Those of us, of course, who have children uh, know something about that, that when our children succeed, their achievements bring honor um, to us. 
me give you a real uh, an example. Uh, this past Friday night, my youngest son Peter um, had the privilege of leading worship uh, with Jeremy Riddle. And, we, and he, was, he called us and he, he, was, he actually emailed us and he said, I am so freaked out. I've just been asked to le co-lead worship with Jeremy Riddle on Bethel TV. And it was quite a big deal and, uh, for him. And uh, in fact, we, um, we, we, you know, we tuned in via the computer and Abigail, uh, Michael's wife, took a picture of Michael and his two children sitting in front of the TV. If you get Instagram, if you follow them or follow me, you've seen that picture. Michael and his two children are sitting in front of the TV at 10 p.m. here, uh, 7 o'clock there, and Peter's on stage uh, leading worship with Jeremy Riddle. And I took a picture and Instagrammed it, and Michael took one, and you know all that. But the point is, it was so precious to see Michael sitting there with his two children watching Uncle Peter do something that in certainly Peter's mind was substantial in Michael and his children's mind in our minds it brought glory to their father now I just say that to say that is the way God sees you that's the way God sees each one of us when we uh, come into an adequate meaning when we come into an understanding of who we are uh, when we when we embrace our calling our destiny when we embrace our if you will nobility and begin to walk in that way it brings immense glory to our father well Jesus then reminds us that slaves here in this text in John chapter 15 slaves obey out of fear you, you know and if you ask people in the church what's the highest thing we would say well to, to obey is better than sacrifice and obedience is real important but did you know that you can obey out of fear fear of getting caught fear of being exposed fear of of um, of retribution there's all kinds of things that will cause people to be uh, to to obey certain things uh, but there's nothing higher than obeying out of a heart of love. And see, I think that's what God is really getting at through the words of Jesus here in John chapter 15, that I no longer call you servants uh, to just obey out of fear, but I call you friends uh, because um, all that I heard, Jesus said, from the Father, I'm now going to begin to make known to you. So friends of God, the prophetic word in John 15, 15 is that if you're the friend of Jesus, you are the friend of God, and as His friend, He will begin to impart to you the heart of the Father. Now, why would He do that? A, so you will know that you're a trusted friend, and B, so that you would prayerfully consider how to use what He gives to you as He shows you to reach into the hearts of other people and to set them free as well Jesus understood that slaves can obey out of fear but friends obey out of love you see a, a willing heart is actually the prerequisite of moving out of slavery to be a, a from being a slave into becoming a friend slaves don't know what their master is doing they simply say do this and they do it do that and they do that they don't know the rationale or why uh, but Jesus um, said 
that a friend actually will know what the father is doing. Um, slaves don't know what their master is doing. Friends know all that their father's business actually is. Jesus invites, therefore, each one of us to have the same kind of relationship and friendship that he had with the father. Now, I want to give you just a few illustrations in our time left here. Um, uh, and there are people in the Bible who walked with God and therefore had immense influence with God and with people. So let me give you a couple of examples. Uh, certainly you'll know of, of these examples. The first one, we could look at Abraham. Now we talked at length about Abraham, but in James chapter 2, verse 23, uh, James says, Abraham was a friend of God. And, uh, and this, uh, this friendship that Abraham had was very unique and allowed him certain privileges and gave him uh, certain influences. For example, in Genesis chapter 18, um, verses 17 and 18, uh, God said about Abraham, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do, since Abraham will surely become a great nation and a mighty nation, and in him all the nations of the earth will be blessed? Now, God was talking about Sodom and Gomorrah and doing something to mess up their situation because of their disobedience. And God said, Shall I do this without telling my friend Abraham? Do you get it? Abraham was a friend of God. And God said, I'm not going to do anything without telling Abraham. Now, do you think it would be true that if Jesus calls us friends of God, I no longer call you slaves but friends, that he would do very much without informing us? You see, that creates a platform then for us to recognize that God wants to speak and he wants us to hear so that we need to exercise, well, how does God speak, recognize his voice, tune into the frequency, and understand uh, what he's actually uh, doing. And here's the verse that, 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 uh, that gets me. Um, Shall I hide all that I, from Abraham, all that I'm about to do? And, and God said no. And then they had this dialogue. You see, friends share um, hearts and they share secrets. Do you have a friend? I mean, do you have a friend? You know, there, we have lots of acquaintances, but there are some friends that I have who literally could call Cynthia and, and me up and say, we need a place to stay for three or four days because we just had a fire in our kitchen or, you know, whatever it is. They would not feel anything other than, you know, we could stay there. We know, they know they've got these bedrooms up in our, our second floor that we don't use. Can we come and spend three or four days with you guys? We wouldn't even have to think twice. We would say, Sure. Or we have a few people in our lives that they would say, you know what, we had a hard day and we just want to come and have dinner with you. Come on. God will multiply the spaghetti or whatever. In other words, friends have the kind of relationship where they're not presuming upon one another. There's trust that has been part of that relationship. Now, Abraham was one who was a friend of God and God confided in him. That's what I want you to hear. Well, let's look at another example. How about Moses? Moses in Exodus chapter 33, verse 11. Um, it says that the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. Now, that might seem strange to you because God's invisible, uh, but God would manifest his presence in such a way that God would speak 
uh, to Moses face to face. Like I'm looking at Jim Glasgow and he's now looking at me. See, we got this face to face thing going on. We, you know, that's how God interacted with Moses. Now watch this next verse, verses uh, nine through through ten or eight through ten of Exodus 32. The Lord said to Moses, "I have seen this people, and behold, they're an obstinate people, the ones that came out of Egypt." Uh, now then, let me alone that my anger may burn against them, that I may destroy them, and I will make of you a great... I'll make of you, Moses, a great nation. Heck with those guys. They are obstinate. They, now watch. Here's what happened. Moses responded, Why should the Egyptians speak, saying, With evil intent, he, God, you, brought them out to kill them in the mountain and to destroy them from the face of the earth? The audacity of Moses to speak to the God of the universe who chose this people and brought them out of Egypt with a strong right hand and then he sees that they're still so calloused and so obstinate that God's ready to destroy them. And because Moses had relationship with God that was face to face, he said, God, do you think that's very smart? Now, I'm paraphrasing in a big way. Do you think that's really smart to take all of these millions of people out of Egypt, bring them into the wilderness, bring them over to this mountain, and call lightning down on them and destroy every one of them? Don't you think the Egyptians will start snickering and say, what kind of God is that? That's what Moses essentially said. Now, here's the curious text on this one. Verse 14 of Exodus 33 says, So the Lord changed his mind he changed his mind about the harm which he said he would do to his people you see friends uh, have influence over god and you see the implication are you connecting the dots here jesus said you're not a slave but a friend and as a friend you're going to start hearing everything that the father uh, wants you wants you to know and you're going to have influence with other people and you're going to even have influence with god why? Because you're a friend. You're going to have influence with God, and here it looks as if God changed his mind. Um, let me give you maybe one more example. We have time for that. Uh, David. This was a man after God's own heart. You see that specifically written in uh, 1 uh, Samuel, and you also see it um, later on in the Scriptures where it's quoted in the book of Acts. Uh, David was a man after God's own heart, and David... Uh, was one who, through the priest, uh, would would tend the ark. Now, the ark was this this uh, holy, set apart vessel, and the atmosphere around it, so that according to biblical law, there was only one person that could go in there and look at it once a year, and then you better go with humility and blood sacrifice uh, in order for that to take place. David said, you know what, we're going to scrap all that and I'm going to build a tent for this thing. David had relationship with God such that he was able to create and erect a tabernacle and appoint worshipers to worship at the presence in the presence of God 24 hours a day, seven days a week for 30 years. Sacrifices and worshiping God. Now, David was a man, therefore, of influence. He was a man who heard God. Now, the church, I believe, has overemphasized obedience. Now, I know that sounds like heresy, but we've overemphasized obedience and underemphasized friendships. 
In other words, there's something more important than obedience, and that is hearing what God says so that you can be obedient. So we've overemphasized obedience, underemphasized uh, friendship, and sometimes the church at large, of course I'm speaking about, have become um, sort of a blindly obedient and robotic. God said, don't smoke, I don't smoke. God said, don't chew, I don't chew. I, you know, I'm being facetious, but, but obedience out of anything other than love c- can become robotic, and here's my point. God wants you to have relationship with Him. He wants to hear from you. I think sometimes God will say things to you to test your heart, to see if you're really listening to Him. So God wants friends, not slaves, and slaves uh, obey out of fear, but friends obey um, out of love. The key to developing a deeper relationship with the Father is to want Him more than what He does. Because sometimes God doesn't do what I think he ought to do. Anybody know that one besides me? And, and, and it's, 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 um, it strains my relationship when he doesn't act the way I think he should. Now that sounds extremely immature, but the fact of the matter is I can get feeling estranged from God when he doesn't perform. But there's something more important than God performing, and that is uh, God wanting such a relationship with me that I want him more than how he should perform. It's kind of like our kids. They don't always do right. Y'all know that? They don't, Peter hadn't always done right. He won't always do right in the future, just because I used him earlier. But he's still my son. Now, and, and the point here is that God wants us to have relationship with him, that he's more important than what he does. And uh, I just want to uh, tag um, 1 Samuel 15:22, where we often quote, to obey is better than sacrifice. But did you know what's ahead of that verse? First uh, Samuel 15:22. The first part of that verse says this: Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? And then we quote: To obey is better than sacrifice. No, to hear is more important than obeying, because if you don't hear, you will become robotic. You will become sort of, sort of static in your relationship. And the Pharisees, the Pharisees of the New Testament were very much obedience-oriented, but they didn't have relationships so that they could hear to keep their relationship flexible and open. They wanted it their way. They wanted God to, to act their way. And in Jesus, he certainly didn't. And yet, when you look at the attributes of God, and you see them very clearly laid out in 1 Corinthians 13, God is, we're told, love. The attributes of love, patience, kindness. God bears all things, and God believes all things, endures all things. God does not seek his own way, and he takes no thought of himself. See, this describes God's character. Uh, God doesn't want to hang around with us just to get his own way. Can you imagine a relationship with a friend? And every time you were with that friend, you had to do what they wanted to do. 
You had to go to the restaurant they wanted to go to. You had to watch the movie they wanted to watch. How long would it take you to say, they don't want relationship with me? You hear what I'm saying? And that's the, way, that's the way God is. God doesn't want to hang around with us just to get His own way. God wants relationship with you because He wants you to hear Him and respond to Him and give Him feedback and interact with Him. Moses changed the heart of God. Now, I'm not saying you're going to change the heart of God, but I am saying if you don't have relationship with Him such that you can question and interact and do the hard reasoning and thinking about God, uh, you're not going to have relationship that will be influential to other people or influential to God Himself. But there is a special place, and I'll end with this, in the heart of the Father for sons and for daughters, uh, for uh, friends and for lovers, all of which are biblical metaphors for who we are. And because of this special place in the heart of God, God has given you special influence. Let me give you just a couple more examples. One is, if you forgive the sins of anybody, they're forgiven. That sounds like God gives you some responsibility and some authority. Why? Because He trusts relationship with you as a son and with a daughter. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my word abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. John 15, 7. You see, to love God is to hear God and then to obey what he speaks. John 15, 15. I read it earlier. I call you friends for all things I heard from my Father I have now made known to you. You see, there's an implied ability to hear the spirit of your Father uh, speaking to you. And I'll end with, I was thinking this morning and praying about the great commandment of Matthew chapter 22, which says, you know, love God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, and all of your strength. And the second great commandment is like unto it, love your neighbor uh, as yourself. You see, this, this notion of, of loving God uh, is, is more than robotic. It is, in fact, um, recognizing that, that we can't love Him uh, without relationship with Him so that we hear His voice so that we can love Him with all of our heart, all of our mind, soul, and strength. And that implies that God wants us to be able to hear His voice. Let me read again the Scripture I read in opening, John 15, 15. No longer do I call you servants. Why? Because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends for all things that I, Jesus, have heard from the Father. I am now making known to you. Now, that's very clear that God wants to speak and he wants his people to hear so that in hearing, we can then obey out of a heart of love rather than um, out of uh, fear uh, of something. So let's pray for just a minute. And I want to, I've been praying actually for myself, literally, and for you that we would begin to hear God's voice more clearly. Now, some of us are extremely, what's the word? Um, tentative. You know, those kind of words. Anybody else got another word for that? Um, what? In, impudent? 
timid. Yeah, and impotent. <laughs> because if we don't hear, we have no power. Uh, and and in, in fact, um, God wants us to be able to hear and wants you to have confidence that you have heard. Now, there's lots of ways we hear God in there, John. We hear him in what he's written, his word, in what is written. Uh, but we do know there is a New Testament understanding that Jesus said to the Jews, you search the scriptures and in them you think you have life. But you don't realize they testify of me, which suggests that it isn't just obeying the scriptures in robotic fashion, but it's obeying the scriptures because in them you're hearing what God wants to foster and develop within your own heart, and that is a relationship to really hear the Spirit speak. Isaiah 30. Your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it, whether you turn to the right or to the left. So what I want to pray for, for each of us, is, is genuinely a, a strengthened and clarified capacity to hear the voice of God. Dropping back from John 15 to John chapter 10, Jesus said, my sheep, come on, fill in the blank, hear my voice and they shall never perish. God has given you an eternal and internal capacity to hear the voice of your Father. That may give you the heebie-jeebies, but what it should do is to send a great deal of, of humility and awe through you that the God of the universe would speak to you and then you are responsible to hear him and respond. This is not church as usual anymore in 2014. Give me that old-time religion. Yeah, well, some things aren't going to change. The blood of Jesus will never change. But the church is changing because God is ramping up the capacity of his people to begin to hear and then to begin to obey. That's your high calling as a child, as a son, or as a daughter, specifically as a friend. Let's stand and let's pray for just a moment. Now, if you're at a place where you want to say, God, I, you know, this is kind of new for me. Okay, I know I'm supposed to hear God's voice, but i got to just confess to you, God, I don't do that real well. Does that sound like an okay thing to pray and say to God? He, he, he wants obedience more than sacrifice. I think it's important to say that. Let's just pray together. And if that's the prayer that's on your heart, I want to pray that God would begin to speak more clearly to you in the days ahead. So, just throw yourself into neutral. That means lay down all of your predispositions. What church should be like, you know, what a good Christian should be like. And let's just begin to pray that God would begin to sensitize our capacity to hear his voice. Pray that yourself quietly. God, help me to be more sensitive to your speaking to me. Lord, help me to take enough time to dial down 
to hear your voice gently whispering in the midst of the clamor of my life. Lord, there's nothing more that we could give to you than the totality of our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. And say to you, God, from this day forward, I want to be a man or a woman who hears you more clearly. I recognize there's responsibility in hearing. I'm obliged to obey what you speak. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking Holy Spirit, who lives within the cathedrals of the heart of every person here, would you begin to make your influence known to each one of us, sons and daughters, friends of God. And God, would you cause us to risk something fresh in the days ahead, that we would not just be hearers, but that we might be doers of your word. For there are thousands and hundreds of thousands of people who are yet to be captured by the glorious gospel of Christ. There's a billion souls in the world that are yet to come to Jesus. <coughs> and they will come because God is raising up sons and daughters who hear the voice of their Father and will begin to speak. Now I'm going to ask you by faith to say something to God that's appropriate for you. It could be something like, God, I covenant as I hear your voice more clearly to walk in what you would speak to me. Now, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that this congregation would be protected as the seed of the Word has been planted. That it would find good soil and that that seed would begin to germinate and come forth and bring forth a crop, but not just 30-fold or 60-fold, but a 100-fold. God, we would be those who hear and who obey. Would you bless? Would you encourage? Would you fill us up today, God, unto brimming and flowing over so that you alone would receive all of the glory through us some of our prayer teams if you'd make your way to the front if you'd like special prayer today before we slip out God bless you and have a wonderful day today in Jesus remember the little uh, cell phone uh, training and I think it's down in our educational wing if you'd like to go there and hear about how to share the good news via Bluetooth from phone to phone it's not you calling and talking to somebody it's you just giving to somebody else what you got it's viral Father, bless your people, encourage them today. Let your spirit be upon us for your glory alone. 
and all of God's people said together, amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day today. If you'd like special prayer, we're here. We'd love to pray with you.